relax and enjoy the Forward Gaming Podcast. All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to the uh, Forward Gaming Podcast. And uh, today with me, I've got Mr. Jack Renault with Movie Pilot here with us today. And we're going to discuss a few different things and definitely things that are related to movies and gaming. But uh, first, let's... Uh, Jack, if you could just tell a little, a little uh, blah, 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 blah. tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> well, uh, I'm a former friend of the White Way guys, the guys who do forward gaming. Um, used to live with these guys, so I'm a big fan of their stuff. Uh, I've been working with Movie Pilot, which is a just a blog site that was founded with the intent for giving a voice to every fan, not just people with degrees or people with careers in reviewing or talking about news or journalism or anything like that, just giving everybody a chance to make their voice heard. And so for the past year and a half, I've been working with them, talking about uh, upcoming movies, shows, rumors, games, whatever. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad to be here on the podcast. Sweet. So yeah, you said you've been about like a year and a half, you said? Yeah. Yeah, and so also with that, you've done, uh, because I've read some of your work, it's great stuff. Oh, thank you very Um, much. (laughs) But yeah, you've done some cool stuff, you've done some gaming, but... You've done some like reviews of movies that have come out and whatnot. You've done, mm-hmm. also done some really cool fan theories that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy those seeing. Well, thanks. Yeah, they're very big into fan theories because it's not just they do they do put an emphasis. MoviePilot does put an emphasis on like we want to record the facts, but we also want to look into just all that information, stuff that gets you excited, like what mm-hmm. rumors might be happening or what. Let's say with the new Star Wars trailer coming out, they just they really seem to love just what theories you can come up with. You can take the pieces that J.J. Abrams and uh, Disney are putting out there for what might be happening with this next movie. Just stuff they say in interviews and clips from the trailers and see if you can piece together maybe what you think is going to be happening when the movie comes yeah, out. Yeah, like uh, your last article on the Star Wars uh, trailer was, was like the importance of the... Oh, um, yeah, I wrote a lot. Of the of, other lightsaber. Absolutely, where everybody... Let's see, when the first trailer dropped last year, back in December... Um, the big focus was on Kylo Ren's lightsaber, which is the red one that uh, looks very ragged and it's sputtering. And I immediately thought that, well, that just, those cross guards, they don't look like cross guards to me. They look like they're spitting out exhaust, like their vents, which it has been confirmed they do. But it took me months to realize that maybe we kind of missed the importance of the other lightsaber there, which I kind of, I looked at and I, it was pretty obvious if you're a big Star Wars fan, it might have been really easy for you to notice that that lightsaber is the one that we last saw in episode five where Luke got his hand cut off on Bespin. That lightsaber fell to who knows where and we all thought it was gone, but the blue lightsaber that popped up in the trailer, that is the same lightsaber and I wrote an article about why that one is much more important and why well, we might have missed that because we were so hyped up about the new, mm-hmm. really awesome-looking red lightsaber. And I wrote Definitely. a theory about, well, why that was important, because it looks a lot cleaner. If you look back at all the other Star Wars movies, all those lightsabers are super clean, super slick-looking. And ironically, just today, um, well, Kylo Ren's lightsaber, comparatively, is much more ragged and looks just kind of more mm-hmm. handicraft. And literally today, an article has come out, or at least yesterday, where J.J. Abrams has been talking about how the lightsaber battles in the new movie, it's going to look a lot more aggressive and less slick like the original, so it's kind of paralleling that, how we are moving towards a more just... I don't know. We're, we're going back to original Star Wars, I think, with this a little bit. Less kind of polished and more just realistic. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a, more of like a rediscovering of roots. And especially even Absolutely. with the uh, store and lore-wise, it's been hinted like that. You know, like the Force has gone oh, missing. Absolutely. And so it's everyone kind of coming back with that. Anyway, all that to say that we'll definitely be leaking uh, in our Facebook page and all of our social medias, your uh, page on me, um, Movie Pilot and oh, everything. So they much. can definitely check out your articles. Definitely go read up the... The lightsaber one. It was a great read, guys. Um, now to kind of bring it back to gaming, um, just the, I think like two, maybe three weeks ago, uh, you were on Steam and I was on Steam and I was like, hey man, dude, I see that you've got a Warhammer Vermintide, yeah. you know, let's play. And you're like, oh yeah, I got it because Movie Pilot gave it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted you to review it. Now, I thought this was a movie blog site. Mm-hmm. So why is a uh, movie blog site reviewing video games? That's a very good question. And actually, we've been talking to some of our editors uh, because we have a couple Facebook groups for people who write for MoviePilot that you get invited into. And the staff of MoviePilot, there's two offices, one in L.A., which is primarily the content team, and then in Berlin, which is where the website was originally created. That's where the dev team is. And uh, they are very, very easy to get a hold of and talk to, and you can really talk to any of these guys as much as you want. And uh, I was having a conversation with our editor-in-chief in in L.A., and they mentioned that... um, Actually, over the past couple of years, they've been wondering, do we need to change the name of Movie Pilot because they're making... Well, the basis that Movie Pilot was found on that I kind of touched on earlier was just that to give everyone a voice to talk about 
what they were passionate about or just what mm-hmm. they, theories they came up with or ideas they were excited by. And that has kind of started to extend. And they were noticing people were starting to kind of write about video games a little bit and write about music and just kind of go out into entertainment. So they discussed whether or not to change the website name to something that could more encompass the world of entertainment, not just movies. Uh, the conversation, I think they kind of left it open-ended where they haven't really decided whether or not to change the name, but mm-hmm. they are actively trying to move towards talking about just more sources or more ways uh, or more fortes of entertainment and yeah. using that on the website. And actually, over the summer, they had a Series A funding event out in California and raised a couple million, I think it was like $14 million to make a move into reviewing video games. And ever since then, uh, developers like Bungie and uh, I don't I don't exactly remember who made, um, do you know what the developer that made Warhammer or that's working on Vermintide anyway? Uh, I Vermintide, I think it was like uh, Fat Shark right now. It was Fat Shark, that's right. Yeah. I looked it up for the article, but it didn't slip my mind. But developers like Fat Shark and uh, Bungie will send copies of these games, some of them new, some of them old, but most of the time it seems to be games that are just about to get their release and they'll send them to MoviePilot a little bit early and MoviePilot has a perks program. This has been uh, sort of... The, for, the formula of how that stuff has worked back since they've been talking about movies where companies will send them an early access copy of a game or early access copy yeah. of a movie and say, hey, we'd like you to do this or we'd like you to talk about this or watch it or we have an interview set up for the director of this movie and we'd like you to interview him and if you could watch this movie first, that'd be great. And MoviePilot has staffers whose job is to uh, talk to the regular creators, the people who work on their website, who just are all around the country and even around the world at this point, and say, hey, we've got this opportunity for you. Um, would you be interested if we sent you this movie or uh, this game? Would you be interested in writing it or watching it, playing it, and then writing about it later, or talking to the director about this movie later on, and uh, just writing an article about this mm-hmm. when you're all done? And uh, recently that's moved into games, and I actually was offered... I don't have a current gen console, Xbox One or PS4. I was offered if did I want to play uh, Destiny, the Taken King, before it actually came out, and see oh, if man. I could. Uh, yeah, I was really kind of, <laughs> I was like really kind of disappointed that I didn't have a, a current gen console yeah. for that. But then they said, well, what about uh, we've got another one, Warhammer Vermintide, and I jumped on that, and uh, I got to play that before doing a bit of writing about it. And I guess the reason, what does it take, or why, why is the movie? blog site reviewing video games it's just because it's another huge huge media just kind of giant that that's how people entertain themselves nowadays there's definitely a large audience for such a for such a form of entertainment for that medium of entertainment whatnot um i mean heck you're on a uh, podcast right now that's all about talking about gaming in general exactly you know we don't focus just on video game we also focus on tabletop and all that stuff but Mm yeah video games is got a very large audience absolutely and it's mm-hmm. kind of cool to see how a company like that is just aware enough to be like well let's move into here and let's just kind yeah. of let's move into this market and let's see uh we've definitely seen a lot of our fans a lot of our readers and a lot of the guys who write for us that they really like this stuff so let's give them that opportunity mm-hmm. there's definitely a large audience and especially it sounds like movie pilot's going to be on the cutting edge on that it's on, it's on the i can't think of the phrase now yeah but it, it's on the edge of there is it's standing above the crowd um because we definitely see that video games is getting more recognition for uh, for itself as a form of entertainment and even as a form of a sport. I mean, with esports coming in, yeah. um, ESPN two showing Smite and League, and I think they're going to have some uh, Blizzard uh, games coming up on you know big wide competitions as well. And I mean, League of Legends, if I remember correctly, you know, brought in more revenue than the most profitable Super Bowl. So far, yeah, there's it's insane. So many people are excited for this, and it's just something new that people have been kind of wanting for a while. And now mm-hmm. we're in a, at a point in history where it's possible for us to get together and um, possible to organize esports and possible for fans around the world to either watch that from home or come and actually see it live, which is insane. And it's a really cool, just kind of product of our time. And uh, yeah, that it absolutely. I, I heard the same thing that it actually brought in more money than the last Super Bowl did, which is insane. But it's also really cool and exciting that that's how the way yeah. the world is going. And uh, I know that another way that you can kind of see how video game uh, that culture is becoming a little bit more popular nowadays is if you watch any commercials for video games nowadays. A lot of times they've got A list actors in them, like Rainbow Six Siege just released a bunch of commercials mm-hmm. with Idris Elba. Um, Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 3 had Michael B. Jordan, and I can't pronounce her last name, but Cara Delvine, she's uh, going to be Enchantress and yeah. Suicide Squad, was in that uh, Paper Towns. But a lot of uh, A list stars are accepting gigs working on commercials mm-hmm. like that. I'll say we even have, um, gosh, 
why am I drawing a blank on his name? But it was in the last Call of Duty game. Um, oh, Taylor Kitsch was part of it, sort of. But uh, oh gosh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? He's in House of Cards. Kevin Spacey, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey was a character essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking, thinking about Taylor Kitsch yeah. in the commercials, but yeah, Kevin Spacey was a character in the game. Like just they didn't just the use his voice, but they used him as a character in it. They used his. I mean, they they modeled the character after him. Like, yeah, and absolutely, and that was a role. Like, that's the thing. That was a role mm-hmm. for these guys nowadays. So yeah, we definitely see that uh, video games is coming a little bit more prominent within mainstream media and mm-hmm. stuff of that nature, um, and shows why a blog site that does that just reviews movies is expanding its audience. Uh, it's definitely trying to stay on top of things and be cutting edge and be what's cool and hit and Absolutely. hot and all that good jazz. So yeah, there's that. Um, so what does it take as someone who reviews movies to review a video game? Um, you know, you've come, you've definitely showed that you've got the credentials to be reviewing movies and whatnot, especially since you've been on with MoviePilot for a year and a half, mm-hmm. and you've had some amazing opportunities with that, and you've got some really cool articles, well, very popular you. ones, too, that have uh, circulated. I appreciate so that, yeah. what does it take for you, who's a movie critic, to review video games? Well, there's definitely the big, I guess, with movies, a lot of what you're reviewing is maybe story or look or directors, and you're mm-hmm. looking at a lot of the behind-the-scenes things but that really make the process work, whereas with video games, I've definitely taken a big big kind of chunk of my reviews to encompass requirements and systems and how the game works itself like what you might need to have to play it or to enjoy it because with a movie i mean everyone can kind of just pay the ten dollars at a movie theater to go enjoy but for a video game well what system is it on if it's on pc like what graphics card required how big is your processor need to be just how How much much power supply memory supply everything Mm -hmm. so it's a little more technical there but it's still fun and a lot of websites like if you're um, or sites like steam they post all of that the minimum and recommended requirements for games like that and uh for consoles i mean it's not quite as difficult as long as that's more just which platform is it available on. And yeah. then you can get into, I haven't gotten into this yet, but I've been thinking about getting into if a game is available on multiple systems, what's your best bet? Mm-hmm. But uh, I do still like to focus a lot on the story of the gameplay and how it looks where we're kind of getting into the movies. What, what, what is the plot? What does the movie look like? And what is the story of the game? What are the graphics like? And just kind of taking that focus on it's a story that people follow just in a different way instead of sitting in a chair and watching it all happen from mm-hmm. outside a window. You are part of the story at this point and just how do you immerse yourself into that so i've i still like to i think it's similar in in those ways where you're still looking at how people interact with it but Mm -hmm. you definitely have to be a little bit more technical about literally how are they physically going to be able to interact with this game what platform and how and how do they immerse themselves into a story Mm -hmm. now i'm curious um being actually a uh, (laughs) kind of a filmmaker myself with a degree in video production um what would you say as a movie critic with reviewing video games, how do you see the aesthetics, the graphics and whatnot playing into the story? How uh, do you, you know, like with, um, you know, the sixth sense, spoiler alert, you know, you, the, you have the whole red going on that symbolizes that this person's a ghost. Every time yeah. you see red, it's a ghost with that person. And, you know, at the end, um, Mel Gibson. No, not Mel Gibson. Why am I drawing a blank? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Holy uh, crap. Yeah, it's okay. Golly, those names have not been my uh, thing today. I, I want to see The Sixth Sense with Mel Gibson in it. There'd be a lot more <laughs> screaming. Oh, that would be amazing. But yeah, with uh, Bruce Willis, it's like at the very end, he realizes that he was a ghost the entire time. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you got those kind of aesthetics playing in and, you know, you definitely, uh, The Shining's not going to be as creepy if it weren't for the the um, tight cord- the tight hallways and the way the uh, camera, you know, gave you that certain perspective. Um, do you take that kind of approach to when you review video games, especially with the immersion? Absolutely. It's because a big part of the look is important to how you feel about the story itself. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's, let's say with Minecraft, it's just kind of a, the fact that all the colors are just standard colors, wide open skies, like the look of that game signifies how you're supposed to play it, which is the world is your oyster. You're just supposed to, any possibility you want to, really. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can do anything you want to, but with a scarier game, I mean, of course, you're going to have kind of darker colors and with stuff like a genre where it's scary or like a horror game or something looking for jump scares i mean they're all going to be dark or they're all going to be the lights are not going to be there as much but it's also how do they do that do they use different colors of light like that with the red for the ghost are they going to use different focal points like that um 
And just, yeah, I, I do look a lot into it because an important part of storytelling is not just the lines the characters say or how they interact with each other. It's the world they're placed in. So I think that's just as important Okay, is uh, to look at the world itself. And I also would like to mention on that, uh, there was a game that came out, PS4 exclusive, uh, recently called Until Dawn. Have you heard of that game? Oh, I, I've uh, been going over with my buddy Nathan's and playing that for a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't have a PS4, so, but he does. And I've gone over there. He doesn't like playing scary games. He likes watching people play scary games. Yes. And I love playing scary games. I don't like playing scary games either, but I want to play Until or, uh, Until, Until Dawn, Dawn so it's... bad. Because what it is is someone took well every... Uh, horror movie trope. Yeah, they took every horror trope and put it into a game where... Most games that try the branching storyline thing, if you, I mean, it doesn't really work. The choices aren't exactly always yours because you mm-hmm. can't, every character can't really die or because, well, what if this person's significant or something like that? Like the character still has something to bring to the table, then, well, they're not going to die here. The, whatever decision you make, it still might not be, the outcome you think might happen might not because they're essential to the story. But with the horror movie, sometimes a character's, what they bring to the table is the fact that they die. So, the branching storyline mixed with the horror drama where everybody's dying left and right, it actually works really, really well and can mm-hmm. make that branching storyline really kick it into high gear. And I've really wanted to play that because it does, since it's a game like that where mostly it's done pre-engine, it's already loaded in, it looks really, really great and really, really, really just... It really feels like you're part of the story. It's one of the most immersive things I've ever seen because it's combined the movie with... Like the movie looks and just kind of all mm-hmm. all that stuff works with just the feel of being in a video game and making your own choices, and uh, I th- I think that's a really good example of how yeah. all of those elements come together. Mm-hmm. And Until Dawn is a great example of a movie going with a cinematic feel Absolutely. and being very successful. And then yeah, PS4 exclusives. I'm sorry, those who are uh, PC Master Races or Xbox. I mean Xbox Ones. <laughs> yeah, do what makes you happy. Yeah. Do what makes you happy, but yeah, the, it's it's amazing. And, and to kind of go back and touch on that uh, topic of Until Dawn, I mean, mm-hmm. when I was playing that game, the the feel that I got was this is Cabin in the Woods. If you've ever seen that movie, Absolutely. it's a it's a um, satire of a horror movie. Absolutely, it put yeah. the uh, characters in that movie choose what monsters come out, how they're killed, and all that other good jazz, and then they. Go down and find out, you know, that, oh, this was all a whole setup and everything's being recorded kind of deal, but they're actually dying. But, yeah, yeah it, you get that kind of feel with Until Dawn, and it's it's done very beautifully. Um, now, it's not like the best – I will say it's not like the best game mechanics, you know, gameplay style. It's like – It's it's, it's, still, it's a standard it's, yeah, video game it, with that. it's still that, a it's fresh still, kind of take on this, but so yeah. it's still young. But it's pretty cool to see someone – I mean, it's very innovative. Yeah, for it definitely it very, is very innovative. And because of that innovation, it's what keeps it on top – of everything else right now has made it so successful so yeah definitely if you guys go to playstation 4 definitely check out that game i can't recommend it enough myself even though i haven't even beaten it (laughs) yeah it's 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 a lot of fun to play by yourself play with friends watch people play the game it's it's just a good time Mm all righty um so we've talked a little bit about video games and movies so Mm -hmm. let's uh talk about gaming movies yeah Uh, movies that have been made and based off of uh games Mm -hmm. um the notorious subject of that, you know, oh my goodness, you can never make a good movie based off of a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we um, just saw Hitman, or, well, Agent 47 made off the Hitman movies didn't do too well. And, uh, I mean, I think that one was kind of obvious right off the bat that that wasn't going to do too well because the whole point of Hitman is to be sneaky and stealthy. And if you watch the trailer for it, it's all explosions <laughs> and high octane. Like, well, yeah, that yeah. might have worked for another game, but... That's not how Hitman works. That's so not how Hitman works, yeah. That was already, th- I think that one was kind of doomed from the start. It wasn't mm-hmm. really a faithful adaptation of what the source material was. So fans of, the people who go see your movie, fans of Hitman series are going to already be angry about it because <laughs> it's not going to work. And I mean, this I, I, this is kind of the hard truth is video game fans are some of the most unforgiving people. Oh, definitely. On the face <laughs> of the planet. Uh, and so when you make, that's why a lot of video game uh, two movie adaptations don't happen because when you make a movie off of a video game, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost usually more than a typical movie would because you are putting every dime you have into it to make sure it's done extremely well. And the, the hard truth is, even when you make this movie, if you spend all the money you can on it, there's still going to be somebody upset with no matter what decision you make. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be 100% on the same side. So it's just kind of a higher risk than making just a typical standard movie out of it. But it looks like people are still realizing that well it's the risk is starting to come down a little bit because so many people are excited for this stuff and uh 
it's starting to be treated less like a cash cow and more like, well, people are entertained by this. If we make a good movie out of this and not just something to try to yeah. suck money out of people, then maybe this will turn out really cool. So Definitely. I think that Hitman was kind of, or Agent 47 was kind of like a, a misstep there where mm-hmm. they, someone came in new to the scene maybe and said like, well, okay, let's, uh, let's bring it, let's make a video game into a movie and let's just do, let's give it the Michael Bay treatment. And yeah. I think that was kind of a mistake, but, uh, They've had more video game to movie adaptations have been announced recently. I know the Tomb Raider movies might not be everybody's favorite back in the day, but they still did well, relatively. Yeah, they did relatively um, well, and from what I can remember, they kind of stayed true to their source material for the most part. They really did. And uh, I know back a couple, before Halo 4 came out, uh, a cinematic web series, which is released on uh, YouTube as well and on Netflix, actually called Halo Forward Unto Dawn, was made. And mm-hmm. very, they spent a lot of money on that. I think it was something around $6 million for six episodes, basically two hours of material. And a lot of care was put into it. And it shows. I watched those, uh, all, all six episodes, and I very, very much enjoyed them. And it was very well done. Um, the, just the animation, the, the, they made a CGI, just Hunter, if you're not feeling with the Halo series. Yeah think giant human or giant unhuman monster that you can't put a person in a suit with and just add some effects they had to create this thing from the ground up just a series about a video game that was released on youtube and they did incredibly well they put the money up forward and i'm not sure if they made or lost money on it but either way there was a lot of care and you could tell and i think that's a big big step and something that's super important into making a video game to a movie adaptation is that you're not doing it for just the cash or just because you think it'll be good publicity but you're doing it because you think it's a story that you could faithfully adapt into a movie and you think that people would really enjoy. Definitely. And speaking of like successful uh, movies yeah. that are based off video games, movie adaptations, or even movies that are like, uh, with like, I'm forward to Don, it's diving further into the lore and Absolutely. adding more to the yeah. story. Um, one of my favorites and one of my favorite kind of animated movies is the uh, Dead Space movies. There's oh, Dead Space yeah. Downfall and mm-hmm. Dead Space Aftermath. Now, Dead Space Downfall was hands down the better of the two and it was great. It told give you a bit of an insight to the story before the Ishimura and how it was totally, you know, just ripped apart by necromorphs and everything. It, yeah, it, it's absolutely. really cool. And the animation style is very well done and they've got amazing voice actors. And you can definitely tell that Dead Space needed an animated movie. If it was to do live action, it would have flopped big time. Because yeah. it, even with the advances that we've done with special effects, it would have not gone over very well. Um, so with animating it, yeah, you can draw all that stuff and all the creatures beforehand had concept art. So you just transfer that over into animation and went over very well. And the story was really neat and it added to the movie. I mean, it added to the game. Yeah. So you could watch that and then go play the game. And you're like, Oh my goodness. Cause they actually did tie in both stories. And so it's like, Oh, you hear that name? You're like, Oh my goodness. I, I just saw him do that. And I, I know why that message is left there. Yeah. Um, that was, the that is just a, an example of someone who really, really thought about I'm going to make, or we want to make a movie adaptation or something in this video game, and they thought about all the things that would come of it, all the effects it could have, mm-hmm. and made all the right decisions where they made it not only just to enhance the story, but to add to it anyway, and to make your video game experience better by playing those. They went with the right format for them that would work better, even though it might not get as much of a release, it still was the better choice for faithful yeah. adaptation, and they, they did very well with it. So, yeah, what we got right there is that we've kind of laid out you know, what does it take to make a successful movie based off a video game is that you've got to realize and understand what medium of uh, film you got to do this on. Do you, do you use CGI? Do you use a lot of special effects? Do you use none? Do you use real people? Do you use animation? Um, and then also, how closely do you work with the uh, parent company, essentially? I, I believe Visceral um, worked heavily alongside the uh, animation company. I think it was even produced out of their studio, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be totally wrong. Uh, someone could like probably Wikipedia that. <laughs> I'm not pulling it up right now. Um, but yeah, so we've got that understanding. Um, but we also have got where we got games like uh, the Mario movie. Uh, not games, but the movies like the Mario movie yep. from like the early 90s or is it 80s? I think it was ugh, It was right on the line, I think. Yeah, I don't it was right. But yeah, where um, I even watched like a little documentary talking about that recently. It was like they didn't get the okay from, like, Nintendo at all to, like... You know, and Nintendo doesn't even recognize this as it ever existing, too. Yeah. But they didn't really get the right rights to do this. They just got, like, the rights to, like, the characters, and that was it. Yeah. Like, no stories or anything else. It's, uh, there's not too much heavy story, especially back in 
the early uh, 90s and eight and the late 80s where Mario didn't have too much of a story built behind it. Yeah. You kind of had a little blurt right here. It's like, okay, this is why you are stomping on Goombas and uh, Koopas and trying to rescue the princess. And this is what's going on. Um, but that, that, that was it. And then they went like in the complete, totally opposite direction that like with the fantasy yep. setting there, they went into like a sci-fi fantasy setting and it was so bizarre. And it, everyone knows that it flopped so horribly. Um, but the biggest thing there was that they weren't really approved by the parent company to yeah. get to work with the source material. That actually happened a couple of years back. Brandon Latch, who worked with um, Freddie Wong mm-hmm. on uh, the channel Freddie W on YouTube, the guys who made BGHS, and they actually now have a partnership. Their Rocket Jump, the show, is going to premiere on Hulu on December 2nd. Uh, Brandon had split off uh, split off from Freddie W's channel and does his own thing on the side where they do work more on effects, less on story, and more on the uh, on just kind of what you can achieve yeah. um, with visual effects these days. And he actually started a Kickstarter to make a Minecraft movie mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, and... Notch and Mojang uh, or Mojang shut it down because they had said, well, apparently behind the scenes they were working on a deal. I don't know. I think it might be either Warner Bros. or Universal where apparently there's a Minecraft movie in the works, but in the years since then we haven't seen much more news on that. Mm -hmm. Although while Telltale has been making their um, story series about the Minecraft games, uh, we haven't seen too much. But nowadays there's a lot more thought put into rights and who has the right to make what. And so... The Mario game, if Mario movie game, if they tried to make it nowadays without Nintendo's permission, I mean, you've seen what Nintendo does to Let's Players. Like, yeah. That movie would have gotten down. shot down real quick. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it. And I think that's another thing that's very important for an adaptation is that you're in line with the fans. Because a lot of the time, people who are adapt or adapting a game into a movie are going to be fans of it. And you have to make sure that you give them opportunity where with Nintendo they're shutting down, people can't even play let's plays of their games on their channel without having to give some of their revenue back to Nintendo people yeah. who are playing their games because they love them and people like to share those with people I mean that's just kind of it seems like a bad marketing PR move everything across the board so you've got to be careful to where you make sure yeah you have to accept this company's ruling on it it's their property they made up with it but if you want a good movie to a good video game to movie adaptation made you need to be in line with the fans and make sure that you understand that they want this to be a success. Yeah. So that's a big part of it, is making sure the fans are involved. And speaking of that, and you kind of mentioned that, you know, they got to understand what the fans want yeah. along with, you know, kind of what the parent company is doing. And it's funny that you mentioned Nintendo, mm-hmm. um, but there's definitely been rumors of a Legend of Zelda movie in the works. Yeah. I, I remember there was something about, like, on uh, Netflix, there was going to be a series show, yeah. or even a... A movie or a series. I can't quite remember which. It was, it was something to do with a Netflix series, like one of those mm-hmm. original Netflix works, and yeah. we haven't heard much about that recently. But, yeah, uh, what, what did you what did you want to put on? Oh, uh, what I was going to get that was like, oh, well, we definitely know that fans would love a oh, movie or a oh, TV absolutely. series of that. What would you think, as uh, having more a little bit more experience with the movie, TV side as a critic and everything, what do you see via your blog site, what people are wanting from video games via a film and video medium well a lot of the most of the power you're gonna have to put behind an adaptation like that is with a video game people get to immerse themselves in the story but equally they get to immerse themselves with the interactiveness and how they play through like is this going to be an action game or is it going to Mm -hmm. be point and click adventure so when you make an adaptation to a movie you're going to have to put all the focus really on the story and so the story's gonna have to go above and beyond so people can still interact yeah so I guess the th- what you're going to have to do here, what people are wanting is a story that is they can interact with in the same way as a game, but the problem is there's so much more opportunity to interact in a game that you're go- your story is going to have to be taking it to the next level if yeah. you want people to be that interactive with it. And it's going to have to be very faithful, and speed bumps are going to have to be out of the picture because it's going to have to really hit all of the right notes. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I understand that. I mean, people... Like with video games, I mean, you're controlling the character. Yeah. You're making decisions, you know, air quotes on that. Yeah. <laughs> decisions that will affect how the story plays out and what. It's it, still definitely you know. more of a decision than you make mm-hmm. while watching a movie. You don't make anything there. Yeah. But, I mean, even making the decision just to swing your, to go for this enemy first and then to this one or to t- help this person with whatever yeah. they've asked you to do, that's still making at least a decision. So would you say then with uh, movie adaptations of video games or even games, um, would it be better for them to tell a story that goes alongside that that extends the lore 
and steps outside of what the video game story uh, storyline was trying to tell? I think what, if you want to do that, you'd have to make it a show. I think if you do a movie to try to have a separate storyline or something going outside at the same time, well, then you're not going to get the game experience because the story's going to be off to the side, so you're mm-hmm. going to be seeing something entirely new, which could be kind of hit or miss but if you do that in a show you could have the main plot line of the show be following how the game works but then with the show all that time you have you could have different plot lines branching off the sides kind of going more into the lore and expanding how the story works i think that would be just the best case scenario for yeah. that okay um let's see here i'm gonna have to look at my notes and try to figure out what else we want to talk about yeah um yeah we talked a little bit about that um what about fan made uh the uh, fan-made YouTube series or YouTube movies. Um, my point and my example would be the uh, Nuka-Cola break. Oh, uh, gosh, yes. The fall at Nuka-Cola. So what, what, what would you like to ask about um, those, I guess? So with that, uh, what I'm trying to ask is that, you know, we can see that that was very successful and, you know, Bethesda didn't come down and drop the the hammer of like, no, 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 you can't be doing that. that that's yeah. our property, our intellectual property. Absolutely. You can't be doing that. Yeah. Um, and we see that it was very successful. And I think they even um, had a few uh, Kickstarters that were brought up behind they it. They actually did, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know if it was one or two. I know they definitely had one that was successful that allowed them to make a second season and even make a uh, short film with it mm-hmm. as I, well. Yeah, the short. Did you ever see the short film? I'm trying to remember if I've seen that one. I think they did. A, did they do a Skyrim one as well? I don't know if that company. I don't, I don't remember if that was the same uh, guy. This is a uh, done by Wayside uh, Creations on up on YouTube, so definitely go check their stuff out. It's Absolutely. amazing. They do if some you're, incredible stuff. Oh yeah, if you're a huge fan of like Fallout, um, go check out their Nuka Cola series. It's it's awesome. It's got a nice a lot of humor in it, and you know pays a lot of homage to uh, its source material with the Fallout series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that actual series? Like, and you know. You know why? Did, why was it successful? Do you think it was successful? Did you? Would you recommend it? All I, that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What I think it was cool was because it's kind of like what Movie Pilot is doing for fans in a sense. Where mm-hmm. what Bethesda's reaction to this, kind of in a backwards way, was the fact that they are encouraging. Once they saw that someone was creative with something they'd made up and someone had done it well and they had put care into it, Bethesda kind of applauded them and mm-hmm. was just like, "Well, congratulations! That was really cool. We like that. Thank you so much." And I think that's what is important too: is just to give someone the opportunity to be creative. And that's what I like about that series and uh, the Freddy W videos that still happen, where they put uh, like Mario against Master Chief um, Altair from Assassin's oh, yeah. Creed or Ezio and uh, <laughs> Lara Croft, and they make videos up like that and see, well, how would these guys interact? And just when someone takes an idea like that, where they start from a source like a video game, and they say, "Well, what would what if this happened?" Like the Nuka Cola series, what if this situation was put into play? Yeah. And they go through with that and they put a lot of care into it and they have the resources to do it well. I think that's one of the coolest things ever because someone is able to let their imagination kind of continue that gaming story and they're able to make their own part of that universe. And when the company that started it or when the person that started it applauds that, I think that's one of the coolest things ever in the yeah. entertainment world. All right. Um, we'll see here. Let's talk about some of the uh, rumored or actually. Some you confirmed, know, yeah. confirmed. Yeah. Uh, movies are coming out that are based on video games. Okay. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about the Warcraft trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness, I I still remember back in... Oh, gosh, I can't do math right now. I think it was like 2008 mm-hmm. or something. No, that could have been before. I just remember in uh, early middle school, or late middle school, about 8th grade, going up to my friend's house, sitting down and seeing that he is playing World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. What an amazing game. Fond memories for me, at the very least. I played that for a while. Uh, played all the way up to the actually the newest uh, the newest expansion, which is the, gosh, Warlords of Draenor. Um, I actually didn't play too much into that, because uh, off and on. But great series, great lore, but lore that you had to read. Yeah. <laughs> and as, and as a yeah. little eighth grader and going on in through high school, I didn't read. It was just, you know, go ahead and play. And go get all the loot and gear that you can and level up and grind your character. Great, great MMO. I mean, they definitely have got the formula down um, and everything. And there's always been people who've like, man, we would love a movie. And then there was rumors of a movie. And we're like, holy crap, they're going to do a movie based in the Warcraft universe. And we're like, oh my goodness, is this going to... Is this actually going to happen or are we going to get burned again? (laughs) Yeah, are we going to get burned again? Or, you know, oh, if they're going to do this, are we going to be like, is it going to be like Mario again? You know? Yeah, exactly. We were all worried. And then, you know, Blizzard has come out 
And with who they've partnered up with, I can't remember who. Who have they partnered up with? I this don't film. remember the studio. Gosh, I can't remember the studio either. But who they have partnered up with, they have meticulously made sure every little detail was done right. And we got an amazing trailer that oh has gosh, yeah. brought everyone's hopes up so high. So. I mean, I've I've not played much uh, World of Warcraft in my life, and that trailer made me super excited for the movie. Mm-hmm. Like when it was announced, I thought it was really cool, but I didn't put too much stock into it personally because I wasn't a huge fan of the, of, of the game growing up, which I've been definitely getting into more recently. But I once I saw that trailer and you just see the reaction that got from people and just how much you can tell a lot of thoughts, a lot of money, and a lot of care has been yeah. put into it. <laughs> but it's it's paying off. And what we were talking about earlier with making sure the fans are involved and knowing what they want. There was some really piece of news that came out, really cool piece of news that came out of that, where uh, someone from the studio or someone from the, the team making the movie went to a convention or went to, um, I think it might have been at E3 actually, and had the crowds in the room shout, uh, like, for, what are the two factions? I don't remember the names. Horde and for the Alliance. Horde. Yeah, for the Horde and for the Alliance. Apparently, one of those recordings of the, all these fans of the game screaming out, I don't. I think it was for the Horde, actually mm. showed up in the trailer. That's awesome. So people can actually, like, just a bunch <laughs> of guys who were uh, just a bunch of regular fans of the game, they can hear their own voices in a movie about a game. That that's awesome. That is beyond cool, and that's just absolutely the 110% version of taking the fans into it and making mm-hmm. sure they get to be involved. Like, that's just unbelievably cool. So uh, with that, we can definitely see that Blizzard is it's just brilliant. I mean, they've also been very praised for their uh, cinematic uh, sequences and trailers that they've always done for their expansions and for World of Warcraft uh-huh. and for even their uh, standalone um, RTSs back in the day, just Warcraft. People were just like, oh my goodness, these visuals for these, you know, these cinematic sequences for these games are amazing. Yeah. Um, and you can definitely tell that same love and care has definitely, once again, we're saying love and care, yeah. has been... That Blizzard applied to their cinematics and to their uh, animations of that nature have been applied into the tra- the trailer. Yeah, um, it's really cool and through to this movie. That, I mean, the yeah. orcs now. I mean, that was the biggest thing. It's like, oh my goodness, how are they going to make the different races like the orcs, the night elves, and everything else? How are those going to look? They look amazing in game. You know, are they actually going to use real actors? Which they did, but they're doing what a lot of video games doing nowadays. It's just motion capture with. Yeah. Uh, audio capture as well and then the visual is then just left up to an animator to come in and rebuild and restructure that uh yeah it's what we first really saw with avatar where they took an actor and used them to motion capture i mean well first first would be pretty much Gollum in lord of the rings yep. but what they really took Andy to full Circus. effect was an because <laughs> that was one character but with avatar they made an entire race of people with their different features and everything by using the actor motion capping and animating it and putting mm-hmm. cgi in and you can definitely see in the new trailer that they have taken that and gone to the next level of just authenticity and just working to make sure that it's both unique and universal at the same time, how mm-hmm. the race works, how the characters interact. And I'm excited to see how that works out too. So we definitely have got an example right here of a confirmed rumor of a, vid- of a movie-based video game. Yeah. I mean, a video game based... Movie, movie based yeah, video. You had, you had it right the first time. <laughs> I had it right the first time. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, we've got that confirmation. We've got the scene that they, yes, this looks like it's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And we have such high hopes. So, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it will be successful the way Blizzard handles all of their um, products. Yep. Um, the money doesn't go to their head. They yeah. still put all the care they can into it, mm-hmm. and it shows. Now, let's talk about like uh, what, what movies would we like to see that are based off video games? I know um, there's definitely been rumors. Of the Uncharted series. Yeah, there's been rumors of Uncharted and Tomb Raider, and I know specifically for me, a Tomb Raider movie based on the new incarnation of Lara Croft Mm -hmm. uh, that we've been seeing in uh, Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider in the past couple years. I would love to see that. That'd be incredible. And same thing, to see Nathan Drake on the screen interacting. I think those are kind of movies that could work because people make the joke that Nathan Drake and Lara Croft are kind of like Indiana Jones' kids. That's a movie (laughs) that worked with the kind of the genre of the treasure hunter and the adventurer. So Mm -hmm. those two would be... I mean, I think those two are in prime position and just have all the right kind of boxes checked to be made into a successful movie as mm-hmm. long as the care was put into it. But you wouldn't have to go too far beyond just the usual movie-making magic to get that story to work. Yeah. And now with that, we've definitely seen with Tomb Raider that they've done movies before yeah. and they've definitely chosen a actress that, you know, fit the the physical appearance, the aesthetics. and um, yeah. uh, But 
I don't even. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe maybe not. I I, I don't personally remember too much. Yeah. About it, you know. But you know, can. Gosh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Gosh, names are not my thing Angelina today. Jolie. Angela Jolie. Good night. Yeah. I can. I know that she. You know, Brad Pitt and all that. It's just. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But uh, we've got that going on. But there's one key thing about the Uncharted series that makes it so endearing. Yeah. Which is Nathan Drake. Via. Wait, crap. <laughs> oh gosh, um, this is awful because I, I can picture him in my head, and he's he voices Deadpool in the Deadpool game. Nolan North. Nolan North. Okay, there we Good go. Night. I was about to say, like I've you were, I thought you were about to talk about what actors you'd like to see do it. First of all, I think Nolan North could actually do a live action. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Also, if Nathan Fillion was just like four years younger, man, I used, I still think he might actually be able to do it. He just wouldn't be the young. Uh, just kind of just getting into it, kind of like Matt Ryan was in yeah. Constantine and uh, in recently in Arrow. He's a little bit older than that, but I would love to see Nathan Fillion do that. Or uh, I think Nolan North could pull it off. And actually, the actress who voices Lara Croft in the Tomb Raiders, she's actually like a she does live action stuff. She's oh. an actress, and uh, I don't remember her name. You can look it up on IMDb. It's she's listed as the voice of Lara cool. Croft, and but I think physically, like she could do it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Nolan North could do it as well. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I believe he does have a few actual, you know, live action. He does, yeah. Uh, credits, credit to his name and everything. Um, but yet, he, his voice, his personality that he creates, oh, absolutely. the way he creates the character is what makes Nathan Drake Nathan Drake. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you think fans would react to someone else? Like, you know, um, you were saying Nathan... Nathan Fillion Finn, playing him? Yeah. Do you know who Nathan Fillion is? I am drawing a blank on his All face. Right. Have you ever <laughs> seen Castle or Firefly? I've seen, yeah, um, yep, there we go. There we go. There <laughs> it is. Yeah, names, uh, yeah. Goodness, names are just not my thing today. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, man, this is awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that it's, po- I, I think it's possible because, um, well, kind of taken back into the movies, there have been rumors, and actually it's been, it, I, I believe at least, like, I'm 99% sure it's been completely confirmed. Um, yeah, because it's been written. Lawrence Kasdan, who helped write Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. and uh, Empire Strikes Back, he kind of came out of, sort of came out of a little bit of Star Wars retirement anyway, to write with his son the next anthology Star Wars film, where Star Wars is going to be putting, or Disney's going to be putting out a Star Wars film every year. So this year we've got Episode 7, in two years Episode 8, in two years Episode 9. Yeah. Well, in the one-year breaks, at least next year, we're getting Star Wars, or Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which is going to be a war movie, war slash heist movie about the rebels who stole the Death Star plans right before Episode 4 happens. Huh. And, uh... In the break between episode eight and nine, we're getting a Han Solo story. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not origin, but at least earlier on in his life. And people are super okay, I guess, with people with someone playing yeah. a younger Han Solo. Specifically, Taron Edgerton seems to be a fan favorite who played Exy, the main character in Kingsman recently, mm-hmm. um, and who will be in the Robin Hood movie coming out from Lionsgate in a couple of years from now. But uh, people seem to be a little bit more accepting of actors playing roles like that nowadays. Yeah, definitely. And so I think it'd be possible. I think that you'd have to get it right, though. Yeah. And that's why people like Taron Edgerton so much, is he just has the snark, he has the cockiness that could do a young Han Solo. So mm-hmm. you'd have to find someone who can do Nathan Drake and Nolan North justice in that yeah. way. So if Nolan North wasn't the one to do it, I think, yeah, I think it'd definitely be still able, I think it'd be possible to have that movie happen without mm-hmm. Nolan North, but I think they'd still have to do a very good job to make sure it worked out well. Definitely, and we can even go with a different example. This is the James Bond series. I yeah. mean, how many Bonds have there been now? Oh, <laughs> so many it's, it's like different iterations. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that people can be a little bit more uh, accepting, and definitely we've seen that within Ooh, cinema. Doctor Who. Um, I mean, they have different characters. Matt Smith and David Tennant played him last, and now oh, mm-hmm. I can't remember the actor's name for the life of me, but a much older character, much yeah. more active playing the character. Well, That's a little bit different because it's kind of written into the story. But still, it's kind yeah. of... It's still, it's still at least, I know it's got kind of special circumstances, but it is still technically someone playing the new version of the character. I don't know. Yeah. It's still cool to see, because someone, not just a new character playing it, but someone mm-hmm. who's a different age and someone who's going to take a different spin on the character, people are okay with that. Mm-hmm. So now how about someone who's going to be the right age and the right kind of fit for the character, but they're going to take a different spin on yeah. the personality. And I think we could also see this with... Um the superhero movies, definitely. Yeah. Um, the, all the different superhero movies that have come out. You know, we've got... Oh, with, yeah, we're getting uh, our third Spider-Man. Yeah, so. third Spider-Man. You know, new yeah. actor for that. But, I mean, also, but Drake Bell voices the animated Spider-Man right mm-hmm. now. And then, you know, he's not being drafted in to be coming in. You know, hey, 
Drake Bell, we need you to come play Peter Parker and Spider-Man in this new movie. Yeah, they had Tom Holland instead, yeah. relatively unknown kid. If you actually, uh, just kind of a side note, if you do want to see Tom Holland, who's going to be playing Spider-Man from now on in the Marvel universe, uh, he's in going to be in the movie or is in the movie In the Heart of the Sea with Chris Hemsworth directed uh, by Ron Howard. So mm-hmm. if you want to get your first like look at uh, the Tom Holland we're going to be seeing as Spider-Man, check out that movie when it comes out next month in December. Um, but yeah, moving on to like, well, back to what you said. Yeah, they have uh, a different version. Like Neil Patrick Harris has voiced Spider-Man in some yeah. video games mm-hmm. and Drake Bell has voiced Spider-Man in Disney's um, Ultimate Spider-Man series. And, and then before that, you know, with the live action, we had Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield playing... Um, with the Sony, uh, the the newest Sony adaptation yeah. of uh, Peter Parker and Spider Man, yeah. yeah, and Tobey Maguire back with the original movie adaptation. Actually, there was probably one. There was one even before, in like mm-hmm. the seventies or something yeah. like that. But yeah, we've seen different people play this character, and we've seen that someone can put a bit of a different spin on it. Tobey Maguire was much more of the Peter Parker side, mm-hmm. a little bit more shy and awkward kind of uh, Peter Parker, whereas. Um, Andrew Garfield's iteration of the character was a bit more modern, so he was still like the shy kid, but he still he wasn't exactly. I mean, they, they didn't put the, I mean, big air quotes on this one, nerd kind yeah. of <laughs> uh, not, kind of filter on the character. Like, he was in skateboarding all over the place. He was very scientifically, he had a lot of scientific prowess and everything like that, but he wasn't just your typical, what you would think of the original Spider-Man. There were definitely yeah. some differences between the original comic book version of Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's portrayal of him. So it could work. Yeah. What if we could get something, like, let's say we do end up with a Nathan Drake that doesn't, fit Nolan North's kind of portrayal of him. We could get something that still works. It might not be the same thing, but not all... I mean, change isn't bad necessarily all the time. So I I think the best thing to do is keep an open mind. That doesn't mean be forgiving of everything. Don't You don't Mm -hmm. have to accept it if you don't like it, but I do think that you need to... You can be a little bit positive. Like, maybe if if something changes, it it might not turn out that bad. Yeah. So... And, um... Speaking a little bit more about Uncharted, I know we've been talking about it probably for the last 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But... Speaking of Nolan North, Nolan North actually came out on a uh, interview that you can look up on YouTube that he says that fans aren't looking for an Uncharted movie. Fans mm-hmm. don't want that. Where I think fans are wanting kind of that uh, movie. Now, is I th- there? I think they would. Ra- I think that what you kind of could take there is he said that fans are looking for an Uncharted movie. I think they would rather have a new Uncharted game Which versus the movie. But now we're getting a new game, so I think people are a lot more like, oh yeah, we'll take the movie as well. Yeah. The movie would still. I don't think fans would if a movie was coming out for Uncharted, people would be like, no, we don't want that. Keep it away from us. No, they still go see it. Yeah. But it was definitely the more like, oh, we'd much rather have a new game versus a movie about it mm-hmm. after we've been waiting for so many years. But. What if we get both? I mean, we're already yeah. in the game, so I mean, people would just be like, "Oh yeah, sure, I've got the game. Let's bring on the movie." I'd be happy with that. <laughs> I think that's definitely possible. All right, so yeah, we've uh, talked a good bit about uh, how movies and video games kind of relate. Yeah, um, we had we did neglect a little bit about tabletop gaming, um, mm-hmm. but we, what we I'd can actually go like into to... that a little bit right now. Actually, we're talking yeah. about Warhammer Vermintide. Yeah, definitely, which is a video game based off a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at which you reviewed. Absolutely. Um, and let's, uh, let's, you and uh, I played it together a little yeah. bit just to kind of see how the game worked. Definitely. Uh, let's, no, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, definitely want to talk about that. Um, so, your first uh, impressions with the game, what were your thoughts? First impression was this is left for rats. Left for dead <laughs> with rats. And <laughs> so it was true. awesome. Because if and it, it's not exactly like that. Because you are playing with a party of several characters, four, yeah. and you are working through... Not really point. You're going point A to point B, but not in a straight line. You can you can take different options with how you want to get to this. It's or almost this thing. It's kind of almost the way that the, these maps are set up. It's almost open world. Oh yeah, in absolutely. that sense, it's it's it, it's almost fully that. But you know, there are sections that are blocked off, and you get a bit of a kind of a path that it forces you on. But yeah. it also. It um, seems like it's more open to just kind of exploring than yeah. Left 4 Dead series would be. Also, instead of Left 4 Dead being all... I mean, it's you have a different skin on everybody, but you can all use the same items. There are different classes for Warhammer Vermintide. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, can... If you could list some of those off. I'll say we've got the uh, Dwarf, which is going to be your tank character. He's got... He generally um, has a shield and an axe, but he can also do, like, a uh, double-handed uh, axe. And then we've got the Imperial Soldier, who... Kind of can fill that role of tank, but also does a little bit more of DPS. Mm-hmm. Um, has a gun for its ranged weapon, in which, by the way, all the uh, classes have ranged weapons. With dwarf, it's either a crossbow or a gun as well. Mm-hmm. But the Imperial soldier um, is more about you know a shotgun or a bit of a 
kind of a, an automatic weapon as well. Yeah. And he will generally hold a shield and a mace or a sword or do a two-handed sword, two-handed mace. Yeah. The soldier's um, going to make a hole in the, in the enemy and the dwarf is going to make the enemy a hole. Yeah. So. <laughs> so uh, and the cool thing with the dwarf is that the dwarf also has a special uh, feature when he's blocking, he, he can uh, push... Uh, the rats back. Yeah. Um, and the rats, by the way, are the Skaven, for those who do not know uh, Warhammer lore. lore. Yeah. Um, but he can push the Skaven back, and he can push a, a multitude of them back now, where all the characters have that feature where they can block and they can push characters back. But, yep. like, if you go with the elf, she only pushes, like, the two that are in front of her. Or, like, you know, with the Bretonian, uh, not the Bretonian, uh, the Imperial. Yeah. Uh, he can push several back, and... All that good stuff. And we also have the uh, Witch Doctor for the from the Inquisition. And um, the cool thing about him is he can uh, dual wield a sword and a pistol or dual wield pistols mm-hmm. and then, you know, do a two-handed sword and kind of nature. And that, that's his specialty. He's got those pistols, really. Yeah. Um, Very helpful. I, I played as uh, the Witch Doctor for the entirety of the time <laughs> that I played, and it was a lot of fun. Mm. And I think one you can... And what's the last character? Oh, uh, well, we got character. two more. Two more characters, uh, sorry. Yeah, the, I think... Yeah, there's a total of five characters. Um, the next one I was going to talk about is the Chaos Sorceress. Yeah. Um, yes, that's right, guys. You get to play as Chaos. And um, her biggest thing is that she's got a essentially an unlimited uh, range weapon, which is her staff, which is shoots out fireballs. There's lots of fire. It's really fun. Shoots out a lot of fire. You can do charge attacks and all that good stuff. It's a lot of fun. And her uh, sword catches on fire as well. It does fire damage. She's all about that. And... When she shoots out of fire, it does get chaotic. Yeah. All chaosy goodness for the chaos gods. Absolutely. Um, and then the last one, which is personally my favorite, is the uh, elf. Yeah. Um, and she's all about range. She's got amazing um, bows and whatnot. She's got the most ammo with her, the bows, and her bows generally have really cool special effects. Where I've got one right now where it's got a homing um, kind oh of feature gosh, on the yeah. arrow. So I can, as long as I highlight the character, I can shoot off somewhere else and then whoop, and the arrow will fall in and kill them yeah it's, it's, it's awesome um a lot and of then she uh, style yeah here. and her biggest thing is dual wielding her melee weapons i mean she can do a two-handed weapon and whatnot or you know just do one hand no it's not even two-handed she will just use a one-handed weapon and just use one weapon yeah but her biggest thing is dual wielding and it's all about quick speed and getting in there and uh just slicing and dicing. Yeah. So here you can already see like the Left for Dead thing kind of falls apart because with Left for Dead you have the four characters who can do the same thing. Your real strategy here is just to get it together in one group and mm-hmm. go all in the same direction or two people and go in the same direction. Just you can put a little bit with like, oh let's put we have a grenade launcher here, we can put them up front just for when a horde comes or something like that. But there's so much more room for strategy and for just how you're going to take on an obstacle when it comes to Warhammer Vermintide because you have different abilities totally for the different people. And so yeah, definitely. I know when we got to the first the level we played or the raid we did, when we got to the end, uh, the three of us, uh, myself, John, and another person who was playing as the Chaos um, sorceress. character, the mm-hmm. Chaos Sorceress, we all kind of went back downstairs and hid in this room while a bunch of the Skaven poured in and just started to overwhelm the area where he'd been. And the guy who was playing as the Imperial somehow just managed... We thought he was going to be dead in about 10 seconds. He stayed up there for how long? Like He stayed up minutes? there for the entire time. Um, with that level, it's still like the first level, and you're supposed to summon a bell yeah. to like warn the people that the Skaven have come in. Um, and there's different approaches to do this. You, know, you can all go up there and just try to battle it out and survive. Because the key thing with this game is if you go off alone, you're screwed. Yep. You're going to be killed. You, you don't separate. You, you stay grouped and all that. But with this first level, you, there is a key strategy where you can send someone off up there and the rest of the group can stay down there. And they just waited out the set amount of time while the Skaven just flood the upper level and don't come down much. Yeah. Um, but the dude survived for the entire time. Summoned the bell. Somehow, um, he probably found one of the areas where the Skaven had to come up to him. Yeah, and, uh, and, I, able and to he was just able to just whack him. Nonetheless, and, incredibly impressive. We yeah. had no idea that he <laughs> was, was going to survive that long. <laughs> we thought he was just going to die, and that would be it. And you yeah. know, he would uh, get his loot at the end. And yeah. that's if you could explain the loot system. Yeah, as I'll well. say I'm going to go into that. And with that, um, the way this game also separates itself from Left 4 Dead yeah. is that you actually have gear and loot. Um, the way the loot system works is. Um, kind of reminiscent of like a D&D kind of style yeah. um, where you roll for it, really. Uh, at the end of each level, you get experience. And with each level, you gain a moderate, you know, a very standard weapon that will come out. But uh, also, you can roll dice 
for loot. Yeah. And it has a little tier system on the side of your screen with the lowest being where you can start off and you'll always get something if you don't win any of your rolls. You'll always get the lowest grade gear. But it can go all the way up and um, it's like white, uh, green, blue, and I think there's some um, tiers above that that I haven't discovered yet. I've seen. Yeah. I think there's like a orange tier and whatnot. And it, it's very similar to a lot of uh, loot systems that a lot of games have, like a lot of MMOs and stuff. You're if you've played any MMOs, you're going to look at that and like, oh, okay, yeah, I know greens are uncommon, blues are rares, and oranges are, you know, legendary, and purples are like, you know, possibly rare to find kind of deal. Yeah. All that kind of good jazz. And then you hit roll dice, and you just leave it up to chance. And if you get, like, so many, the little counter on your side moves up, and then boom, you get that gear, you know, you get that piece of loot today. Um, and with that, it's really cool. And so you... Uh, get a lot of different weapons and whatnot that way. And what you can do after that is you go back to the inn and you can go to the forge. You can um, take five white items, so five green. It's always in pair, you know, multiples of five. Yeah. And create a the next tier, a next tier item. Now it takes five items to create, you know, five whites to create one green, five greens to create one blue, and so on. Therefore, um, but it's really neat. Um, and with the different tiers of uh, items they and loot, they have different perks. Like greens will have one kind of perk that you can unlock on them, and then blue have two. And I haven't really seen anything beyond that. Yeah, we're um, still working on that. Yeah, still working on that. Uh, great game. I, I, I just can't Absolutely, really yeah. recommend it and, enough. And with the way that the game works, you will be playing with several, with at least a party of four, if you're going to be playing around like this. And uh, so you don't have to just have three friends playing with you. But yeah. that does increase how, I mean, it does increase the entertainment value if you know exactly who is screaming that they're being overrun at the same <laughs> time. It, it can be very, very hilarious playing with all people you know but you can also play this game uh just if you wanted to jump in a lobby just some random point in the day you're going to be able to play with somebody so this Mm -hmm. is a game for just a solo person to play or just a group of friends whatever i would definitely recommend it yeah definitely recommend it and to go back and uh kind of touch on a little bit more how it's similar to left for dead yeah you the skaven do have their own specialty uh Skavens and whatnot, and which is very lord friendly. You've got oh yeah, you've pack got- master who's going to have a hook, which is like the jockey, except with the hook rat, it throws in a hook on you mm-hmm. and drags you away and drags you into a horde where the jockey just kind of yeah just messed you around. So it's more like the spitter where he snags you and pulls yeah. you away. It, and then it's very similar. Or the, the smoker, excuse me. Mm-hmm. There is a spitter too, one that kind of just mm-hmm. starts spitting acidic. Which is uh, similar to the uh, gas rat exactly. in this game. And, and then there's a... Uh, definitely a tank version. Definitely a giant rat. There's a rat ogre very similar to the uh, tank except I think it's a lot more scary. <laughs> it <laughs> a is. A lot scarier. It, it definitely is. And I think that when it comes down to it, I really... The reason I like the game where uh, it just... it. We've talked about how the gameplay works, but in other kind of aspects of it, it looks great. the The feel of the game is just mm-hmm. super cool and just super just, just epic adventure. It's just what the like the style of the game just screams, and it, yeah. it works very much in its favor. And the, as far as the lore goes, I really want to know exactly. I just immediately want to know. Well, how long has this town been overrun? Like, or have this game been here for a while? Or mm-hmm. uh, just all this? I've just all these questions popped up instantly just every time anything happened in the game. So I think that. It does a very, very good job of encompassing all just areas of entertainment that High Points a game is supposed to hit. Yeah, in that way. definitely. And if you are a fan of Warhammer Fantasy, the tabletop game, uh, speaking a little bit more on the aesthetics, the characters look like the models. Yep. And it's amazing. The weapons look like the weapons you would give them and everything. It's a lot of fun. It, From what I can understand, even lore-wise, it stays very friendly towards the uh, lore of uh, Warhammer. And it... This uh, Vermintide is a little bit more friendly towards the newest uh, release of Warhammer Fantasy, which is Age of Sigmar. Um, you definitely have the witch hunter who's praising Sigmar every chance he gets. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> Praise me to Sigmar. Um, it's like he thinks he's listening at all times. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Very, very well done. Um, I think we both highly recommend it. And mm-hmm. right now, um, at the time of this uh, podcast, which is... November 28th, 2015, 307. I'm still digesting the same turkey from three days ago. <laughs> yeah, still digesting after Thanksgiving. Um, Steam is going, is having a sale. And mm-hmm. what is amazing about this is this is a new game that came out in October. Yep. It and it came, would, came out for 30 bucks. It's like 
$60 quality game level, but oh, it was 30 bucks, which absolutely. is amazing, hands down. Yeah. Like, And it is only on Steam right now. There have been rumors about the game being ported to consoles, mm-hmm. um, at least current-gen Xbox One and the PS4. But for now, it's going to be just on Steam. And uh, if I would definitely check it out. And, yeah, uh, definitely if you got the uh, computer, can do it. And right now, like I was saying, with we've got two our, days we've after... We've got our uh, autumn sale right now. If if you're it's listening a, to this later on, we still have the winter sale coming mm-hmm. up around Christmas time. Yeah. It's it's on sale for 25 bucks rather than 30 right, right now. now. Exactly, so. yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, Jack, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you yeah, on. Absolutely, thank you for having me.